Welcome to Coaching Confidential, a podcast by baseball coaches as we bring you inside the game. The podcast will take you behind the scenes in college and minor league baseball. Lou Bernardi and George Carroll were college teammates and went on to play and coach on the next level. Bernardi has coached at the Division 1, 2, and 3 levels and is currently the pitching coach at the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Carroll went on to play professionally and is now a catching coach in the minor leagues. Here are your hosts, Lou Bernardi and George Carroll. I'm going to work, I'm, you know, work with so many different professional teams. You become a bit of an all-rounder, so there's not much I haven't come across or haven't had to problem solve or come up with some ideas or, you know, so I'm a bit of an all-rounder, I suppose. You know, you, okay. you can say high performance, but I've done a lot around cultural change as well. And, you know, and I mean, George don't want to talk too much about the Blue Jays, and I understand that, but, I mean, there's been a significant cultural change there, uh, which I'm sure George has talked to you about, um, and a change in the nature of the coaches uh, in and the way they select them. And, you know, um, I think if you're not a, there's a little model that, that I've sort of helped introduce that if you want to hire people, you want to hire coaches you can trust and trust made up of character and competence. And we would say, you know, character is being a good bastard and competence is knowing your job and delivering results. And then people with EQ, people who, who understand themselves and can manage themselves and then have empathy and awareness and build strong relationships. And then the last one, CQ. So we've got this trust, um, EQ and then CQ, which is what I call curiosity quotient, which is that you are a voracious learner. Hmm. George is a voracious learner, which is why we hit it off well. And, you know, like most of the guys, were, at, at the Blue Jays, some guys got let go because they just, they were scared. They were, they were, they were scared that they wouldn't be able to foot it under the new ways. Uh, then there were other guys, George and many others, who said, shit, this is interesting. Uh, this coaching is maybe a bit more subtle and a bit more nuanced and a bit more interesting than I thought it might have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, help me, help me learn and get better. And and that's just been joyous and fun. And you know, well, I'll tell you what. When we when we first met, and they said oh, we're bringing this guy, this uh, guy from New Zealand, I was like, oh man, I played with a guy from New Zealand named Dan Devonshire with the Blue Jays, and uh, I knew him as a Kiwi because that's what he said. There was like the thing. It was a Kiwi. I remember when Dan left uh, for the winter time. He gave me a, a medallion or a pendant. I forget what, exactly what it was. It's a medallion and it had the Kiwi symbol on it. So I knew a little bit about New Zealand when uh, before I met you. And then when you came, I remember. Yeah. I remember if I met. Yeah, remember I, I mentioned that to you. I was like, yeah, "Hey yeah, man, yeah. I know what a Kiwi is." And you're like, "Oh, bloody <laughs> hell!" And I was like, "All right, sweet. This, we're gonna hit it off, man." So. What's up, George? How we doing, man? Welcome back. Sweet Lou, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, it's good, man. I'm looking forward to another conversation uh, tonight, okay? We've got a nice guest on with us today. I know you have, have a pretty good relationship with him. Uh, what do you say we just dive right in? Yeah, so we have uh, with us tonight, we have uh, one of the greatest coaches that ever coach coaches, Mr. Dave Hadfield. Dave, what's up, man? A uh, bit of this, bit of that. George, nice and quiet there in New Zealand. Live the quiet life, mate. Nice. Well, you guys survived COVID more than anybody, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably been helpful that we're, you know, we're only a small country with 5 million people and we're an island away down the South Pacific. So we sort of closed our borders up. And New Zealand is a, you know, like, we're pretty good if, if, the, if the government and the scientists say, listen, uh, wear a mask, we go, oh, really? Sounds fair enough. Stay, stay six feet away from each other. Oh, really? Oh, sounds fair enough. You can't go to the shops. You, go, you can only go to the supermarket. Oh, really? Yeah, it sounds fair enough. And we've pretty much done it. We've said, well, we'll suck it up. We'll do it. And, and we've managed it pretty well. So we've been lucky. So it's pretty much, apart from the odd little occasional community outbreak, which gets handled very quickly, 
it's life as usual here with you know pretty much full stadiums and stuff like that. So we'll be lucky. Love it. So we have Dave here tonight live from New Zealand, and just to give our audience a little uh, a little rundown on Dave and what he's done. He is an expert in leadership coaching, sports psychology. He's a current consultant with the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, he is one of the foremost leading experts in stress management and team culture building exercises. He has numerous degrees in psychology and social sciences and is the founder of his company, Mind Plus. So I'm really looking forward to tackling and diving into the sports psychology, the leadership qualities, do's and don'ts, uh, selections of coaches, which is a hot topic right now. You know, some things that a coach can stand out in an interview, maybe. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, to having a really interesting conversation, not just for baseball, but I feel like a lot of the concepts you're going to give us tonight can really equate to any sport and really any realm in life. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Firstly, um, um, thanks for the thanks for the intro. My father was a was a farmer, like I used to be when I was a young man, and uh, he was always suspicious of experts. He said to me that an X is a has been, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So <laughs> my old man was always a bit suspicious of of experts, and I am too. I've I've learned a bit of stuff. Uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with some great coaches, to mentor some great coaches, and I've learned um, from each of them. And as you say, Lou, look, coaching is coaching is coaching. And, you know, the Blue Jays, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with that, that outfit, and it's been a tremendous experience. But I know you guys have forgotten more about baseball than I will ever know. So coaching is coaching. You know, we're helping, we're, we're helping guiding, assisting, nurturing a human being to be the very best they can be. And we take them from where they are to where they want to be. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. That's what you're doing. So Dave, what's uh, if you were to say your main sport, your main sports background, what two sports or what sport would you say is where you really thrived in first? Well, I played, I've played quite a lot of sports, but the two main sports I played were, um, were cricket, which is, is quite a similar to baseball. And I think cricket, a baseball probably came out of cricket, I think. I think it did. Uh, I know American football came out of rugby because that's my other sport. So um, rugby and cricket. I'm a traditional Kiwi uh, and I play rugby, which is, you know, I think most uh, Americans have seen enough to know that it's a tough game. Uh, I'm not saying I'm a, I was a tough guy, but I love my rugby. And I play cricket and I coach cricket professionally. So uh, I've also played basketball very badly. Um, I, I enjoyed golf. I was a good tennis player as a kid. So I just love ball sports, really. And for a big guy, you know, I'm, I'm a ball sport player. Running for running sakes never never interests me, George. Well, I saw your cricket skills one time where you're uh, shagging fly balls out in left field, and all of a sudden someone hit a fly ball to you, and you barehanded one, and you're like, "Oh, that's it." <laughs> I can't like, remember that. I, I remember I it. My, I thought my credibility went up uh, for an old man to stick his hand out and the ball stuck in it. A barehanded, no glove. Yeah, your credibility went through the roof after that. <laughs> you didn't know, Dave. You didn't know you could use the glove. Well, I knew you could use a glove, but it's a funny thing, Lou. You know, and I played cricket for years and years. And, you know, the subconscious mind is used to catching the ball in the hand. And when my you are telling me that I've got to catch the ball just off the end of the tips of my fingers, my brain is saying, no, no, that just doesn't make sense. I've caught a million 
in this hand and here and to catch it there, no, 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 it doesn't compute. So they use gloves in cricket now, you know, when they're training and practicing. The coaches often wear them, but I could never get used to it. <laughs> so, Dave, I have to ask, and I'm, I'm going to jump right into it and ask, yep. and ask one of the million-dollar questions of the night. What makes a good coach? Ah, well, I mean, it's a million-dollar question, and I'd probably take about two days to explain it. But I, I've always thought, Lou, that that every that everything starts with relationship. Everything starts with the relationship, and I, I'm a great. I love Stephen Covey, who's a, a great American writer and uh, on leadership and coaching and life, really. And uh, he's got this this. Um, his, he taught his son a lot of stuff, and he wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. And I think trust is made up of, of character and competence. And character is around integrity. So are you a decent, honorable, honest person? And the other part is intent. What's your motivation? What's your background? What, what's your agenda? So if somebody trusts that you're a man of integrity or a woman of integrity and that you're doing things for the right reason, and then you're good at your job. So the competence side is knowing your job and delivering results. So I think, you know, building a relationship of trust is a critical underpinner. And, and of course, the competence, your ability then to, to help somebody get where they want to go, that's where the rubber meets the road. But it's all built on relationship. And then the competence side, I think, uh, and that's something I think that uh, I've talked to George a lot about and other coaches at the Blue Jays about, about, um, the different ways that we can communicate and go about the way we coach. And uh, there's an Irishman called Miles Downey. Uh, he's, written, he's actually a business coach, but he's written a lovely book called Effective Modern Coaching. And when we talk about coaching competence and what makes an effective coach, uh, Miles talks about a continuum that goes from directive to non-directive. From directive, which is I'm the expert, I'll tell you what to do, I'll give you advice, I'll give you guidance, but the other end of that continuum says, whoa, hang on a sec. Every single athlete is unique and they perceive the world and their life and their performance through a unique filter. So I need to find out what that is. So I need to get really good at asking questions and finding out what's going on in their mind and their body so I can work with their mind-body rather than me assuming that I know and have all the answers. So that's a long answer to what makes an effective coach. But I think, you know, we could talk a little bit more about that continuum, George, if you want to. But I think if coaches are really skillful at using different coaching modalities and understanding that if I ask you a question versus if I give you advice versus if I float an idea versus if I tell a story, all of those things play, can play a part in helping an athlete. But there are implications for the athlete, for the player, and for the coach, depending on which one we use. So I think being skillful uh, at that process is, is important. That's a long answer. Sorry, Lou. No, you know, and you know what I love about it is nowhere in that answer did you ever bring up the coach's physical ability in his specific sport. Yeah. It, and I it, think it, it's such a misconception in today's society where if you were a great player, that means you're going to be a great coach. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. It's bullshit. When I was when I was an academic, and I was a very poor academic, but I was a, a professor at university for a while, and I studied that. 
And if you look around the world at the great coaches, I mean, there's the odd one. There's, there's Steve Kerr. Like, you know, I mean, he, you try and think of the great coaches who were also great players. You'll struggle to find too many. Most great coaches were average players who, in order to keep up with their more gifted and talented peers, had to be self-reflective, self-aware, had to study the game. Now, that's what you need to be a good coach. So, you, you know, you tell me the great players who become great coaches, there's not many. Was Larry Bird a great coach? I'm not sure whether he was, but they're few and far between. So you're absolutely right, 100% right. And, and this is an interesting question, Lou, just to carry that on further. Um, I know nothing about baseball. I mean, my biomechanics knowledge is not bad, but I know nothing about baseball. And the question is, can I work with a hitter to help them get better? What do you reckon? I would say yes. George, what do you think? I'm going to agree with that, and only because I've experienced <laughs> it. So 100%. That's what we talked about, the credibility thing, Hatters. It's like being not from this sport, it's how do you get a guy to believe in you? So tell us how you well, say you can help a hitter. I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. There's a, there's a few stories, but I'll tell you one. So a guy's hitting in a cage against a machine. And he, I don't know what he signed for. He might have signed for 800000 or a million. I don't know. It's all telephone numbers to us Kiwis and you Americans in baseball. Uh, but this kid's having trouble. He's frustrated and he, he's just topping the ball. He's, he's getting frustrated as hell. And I said to, it was actually Guillermo, and I said to, to, to Guy, mate, can I have a word to this lad? And he said, yeah, go for your life. And um, I said to the lad, um, you okay if I have a chat? He said, yeah. I said, mate, how are you going? He said, oh, I'm frustrated. I just, I just can't hit the ball. I, and I hate those machines. I said, can you remember a time when you really squared the ball up? Can you remember a time when you were squaring the ball up consistently? He said, yeah, I can. I said, shut your eyes. And he had his, had his bat in his hand. I said, shut your eyes. And I want you to take some swings. You're squaring the ball up. You're really squaring it up. So he shut his eyes and he took some swings. I said, are you there? He said, yeah, I am. I'm there. I said, what do you notice? He said, I'm really balanced and I'm taking it to right field. Now, I didn't know what the bloody hell taking it to right field meant. I sort of figured it out. I didn't need to know. I said, okay, is anything else? He said, no, nah, I'm balanced and I'm taking it to right field. I said, right, when you get back in that cage, all I want you to do is focus on balance and right field. And I'm going to ask you to give yourself a score for balance and taking it to right field. 10 means shit ho a shitload of it. One means very little of it. I want you to give me a score. So he got in the cage, and the first one, he topped. And, um, and the next one, he sort of hit a bit better, and he gave me, the first one, he gave me a score of two, and the next one, it was a score of three. And the next one, he squared it up, and he hit it along the ground out towards, um, out towards between first and second base. I said, what's that? He said, oh, that's a, that's a six. And the next one, he absolutely squared it up and it hit the fence on the full. I said, what's that? That's an, that's, he said, that's, a, that's an eight. I said, why not a 10? He said, I've got to do it consistently. And then he just went bang, 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 and squared up about six or seven balls in a row and then walked out of the cage. And I remember Guillermo saying to me, how you can be the batting coach, mate? I said, no, 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 no. You know, so what I had to do you know, and I remember there's a bit of talk going around. Oh, this, what's this old guy? He's a bit of a magician. No, I'm not a magician. That kid would not have got signed if he didn't know how to hit. 
he his mind and his body knows for him what he needs to do to hit. All I had to do was ask, find out what it was, and then direct his attention to that, to focus on that. And that's what I did. I had another another guy, I did a similar thing, who was topping everything. He was just topping everything. And I said, if we call squaring it up zero, and we call completely topping it minus five, we call completely uh, hitting underneath it plus five, give me a score. So what we're doing is asking people to attend, to focus their mind body on things that really matter to them by asking them to give a score. It's just, it's a tool. So anyway, <laughs> it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a story. And I think, you know, I know if you, if, if you ask most baseball coaches, can a New Zealander that knows nothing about baseball help a hitter in a cage? They'd probably think you're crazy, but uh, I think you can. No, I, I saw it firsthand. And uh, I think one of the things was you kind of hit on it a little bit earlier. You're like, what's this guy doing coming in here talking to us? And it was kind of like, oh, okay, it's a new perspective. Because basically how I, how I interpreted you is you're a coach that was helping coaches, but you're also helping players. So how you, you influenced my – you have influenced my coaching career significantly over the past four or five years ever since we first met. And one of the things that you really helped me with was understanding how to teach. Cause growing up playing, it was the coach teaches, the coach talks, you do it that way. And that's just the way you do it. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. And you're no longer, you know, uh, you're not coachable, you know what I'm saying? But one of the things that you taught us as coaches is how to use that coaching continuum. Can you explain a little bit what that coaching continuum is and the different ways to teaching yep. kids or how to get through to players, kids, or even coaches. Okay. Is it, this podcast is, is a, it's just voice, isn't it? We haven't got voice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's fine. So if you imagine on the left-hand side of a page, uh, and this is from Miles Downey's work, I've just adapted it a bit, but on the left-hand side of the page, there is directive. And then on the right-hand end of the page, there is following the interest of the player. And then in between, there's a number of coaching communication modalities. So as we go from left to right, we say, we'll go instructing, telling, teaching or giving information, giving advice, offering advice, floating an idea, telling a story, summer, asking a question. And questioning, as you know, George, and we've talked about often enough, I, th I reckon the ability to ask fantastic questions is probably your most powerful tool as a coach. And the more knowledgeable you are, the better questions you can ask, you know, so asking questions and then summarizing because, you know, if you summarize, so if, if, if I as a coach summarize or paraphrase back to you, what you've said, you know, I've been listening, you know, I understand where you're coming from. You know, I get you. That's growing our relationship. Because every time I ask you a question, you've got to tap inside your knowledge, your understanding, and, and what's happening in your mind and body. And then you tell me, and every time you answer, I get golden information about what's going on for you. So then we come down to the, the end of it, and it's just listening, being a great and attentive listener, and listening with our hearts, listening with our eyes, listening with our ears. Now, you know, all of those are important coaching modalities. There's no right, there's no wrong. But if you're skillful at using all of those, I think, you know, you become powerful as a coach. You really do. I love it. I think that's awesome advice. I think it's good insight. 
I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. Um, it's still related to the coaching, but, you know, you talk a lot about stress management. And one of the things that George and I talk about a lot is dealing with failure and creating opportunities for our athletes to overcome failure. What are some exercises or some do's and don'ts for us to be able to, as coaches, to get our players to handle the stress and the failure that comes with athletics? Well, I don't know. I mean, you guys know, like I said, you know a hell of a lot more about baseball than I do. Um, and base is a better, but baseball's a tough game because if you succeed one in three times, you're a champion. You know, so so failure is just like failure in baseball is part of your part of your gig. I, I honestly, I honestly believe, and, and one of the things you know at the Jays that or, or that baseball hasn't done from what I can see so well is be reflect is reflect on your performance. They're doing it much better now. When you play every night, it, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I figure out why the boys call it the grind, you know. But, um, but the ability to reflect, A, to control the controllables, you know, the, 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 the serenity press says, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change what I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You know, so <sighs> dealing with failure, you know, you've got to learn from it. You've got to learn from failure and move towards success. And as I say, I mean, as, as a better, as a better, you just you have to embrace failure. You, you've got to embrace the fact that it's going to happen to you and just, you know, be reflective, get good feedback and move towards being the best you can be. It's not a great answer, I don't think, Lou. I'll tell you what, Harris, one of the things that I think that I've learned, especially coaching, um, is how to be aware, how to, how to be aware of your surroundings, be aware of like what you're actually doing and how you're coming off to the player and aware of, of everything that has to do with what you're trying to do, which is ultimately help the player. And one of the things that you've actually implement, implemented for us was videoing coaches, coach, making us aware of what the hell we were doing and saying, especially you caught a bunch of us using the same damn words all the time. And I remember you, I think you called it under and over the flow. Does that make sense? You remember that? Yeah. yeah. Can you touch on that a little bit about oh, maybe think, the think, awareness yeah. of self-reflection? Yeah, I think that that over the, under the flow stuff came from Ben, uh, from Ben, I think. But yeah, look, honestly, awareness and, and Lou, all the guys at the chase used to, to take the mickey out of me for the way I pronounce awareness. Awareness. Uh, it's a bit, <laughs> which, you know, yeah, we we had a lot of fun. I'll tell you, we have had a lot of fun, which uh, which is what I love. But awareness, true awareness of what you're doing, is is a precursor to any kind of change. You cannot change something unless you become aware of what you're doing now. And in New Zealand, we've we've mic'd our coaches up and videoed our coaches for quite some time. We don't do it all the time, but we it's one of the tools we use. And I swear, there is no more powerful way of improving as a coach than getting yourself mic'd up and getting filmed and then reflecting on what you're doing. Now, if you can reflect with a mentor, that's great. If you can reflect with a sheet, which has a range of things to be, to notice, to, to, to check in on how well you're doing. But, you know, we film our players all the time. These days it's, uh, 
high-speed cameras and wraps it over pitches and wraps it over hitters and we film everything. Why? Well, because the camera doesn't lie and it's a tremendous help with awareness and awareness is the precursor of any change. Is that any different for coaches? No, it's not. And you know, when I started doing it, they said to me when I first went to the, to the Jays, you'll never do that in baseball. They won't, you know, you know well, uh, we soon changed that. And, uh, you know, how did you find it? I mean, I've still got video of you, some, some good video of you. How did you find it? The boys were a bit like this with it at the start, weren't they? But they got used to it. I was kind of more, I was kind of more nervous about it, doing it in front of my peers, you know what I mean? Because of how it might come off. And, you know, whether it might come off like braggadocious, like, hey, look at me, I'm yeah. really good at my job, yeah. or yeah. Yeah. it would expose something that I wasn't ready to have exposed, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It so does. that was that was how yeah. I felt about it. But overall, yeah. I think everyone knows my character and everyone, I felt comfortable in the room because I feel like I've built those relationships, not with just my players, but also with my staff members, where yeah. we can poke fun at something if I say something stupid. I've said some stupid things on those videos and, and everyone's laughed. <laughs> I don't know if you remember a couple of them, especially with one player in particular um, yeah. who's actually in the big leagues now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember I said about Kirk? Um, I was yeah, talking yeah. to a, remember I was talking to a co another guy, a new guy. Yeah. I'm not gonna mention his name, but uh, he's like, "Hey, you know, we're talking," and then I said, "Hey, with this player, do this." But I said, "You see that guy over there? Don't touch him. Just leave him alone. Let him figure it out on his own." And, or I said a couple of expletives with it, but <laughs> and everyone laughed, you know, because everyone knew what I was talking about. Yeah. And everyone knew understood why I was yeah. telling that guy, you know, when's the right time? Because I learned it from you. It's not because I I just yeah, yeah. am the smartest guy in the room. No, it's because I learned it from somebody else. Yeah, but you're you're a learner. I mean, you wanted to learn. You were, you know, like I think being humble and being to some extent vulnerable. And, and Brené Brown, who's an American academic, does some wonderful stuff about vulnerability. But if you've got a good enough culture amongst your coaching group, you know, for instance, at a major league, you know, we're talking about a place that we know, but you've got to get over that. You've got to be able to be vulnerable. The guys will laugh at the start. I can remember. Do you remember I showed one of of, um, of Antoine? Who's, uh -huh. who's not there anymore, but, but, but he put on what I thought, you know, we talked about relationship building, Lou. There was this guy who spent a bit of time um, down in, in, in Dunedin. And like, he's just got this ability to connect with people. And I was filming him and he did about, I've got a seven minute video and the guys were throwing, playing long toss and, and he was just talking to this kid. And I, I do you remember me playing it, George, in the, in the coaches meeting? Yes, and I'll, real quick, let me tell you who everyone, Antoine, Antoine Richardson, and so Antoine Richardson is the first base coach for the San Francisco Giants. Um, he was a base running coordinator with us. Fun fact, um, he was the second Bohemian-born Major League Baseball player in the world, yeah. and he was also the guy on second base that scored on Derek Jeter's 3,000th hit. Antoine Richardson is from the Bahamas. From He's the Bohemian, Bahamas. but uh, <laughs> but yes, no, I remember the video very well. Oh man, it was, I just, I, I filmed it and I took it back and put it on my computer and I looked at it and it was a, you know, he talked about Lou earlier about relationship building. This, this lad Antoine, he gave a masterclass in relationship building in seven, I think it's seven minutes long. And I was just watching it going, oh man, like that's unbelievable. And I, and I clipped some bits of it and I played it and he was embarrassed. He said, don't do it here. This man, mate, get over yourself. Give yourself an uppercut, brother. Hey, this is the guys can learn from this. We can't all have your personality. Remember me saying that to the coaches, George? We can't all have yeah. um, 
Antoine's personality, which is real bubbly and fun, but a bit like yours, George, but we can all ask the same questions. He asked the kid, you know, where'd you come from? He asked him about his father, about his family. He asked his father's name and then he named his, called his father by name. Things that any of us can do. And it was just absolute, absolutely masterful. Unbelievably good. So, um, that, yeah, so that, that, that videoing yourself, I, I just, you know, getting your video, if you can get a remote mic, that's fine. But if you're in close quarters, you don't need it. But I recommend that for any coach if you want to get better. Because remember, awareness is at the heart of all change, whether it's players or whether it's coaches. Absolutely recommend doing that. I like it. Do you think there's an age requirement for that? Like, do you think of a coach is coaching kids that that's a valuable uh, tool to, you know, to, to see what he's doing? Or does this really only work for the highest level? No, for anybody, Lou, anybody, for anybody. I mean, you can't beat that. The camera, the camera just says, here's what it is. And one, yeah, when it, I've done this for many years. And when you show people their video, the first response is virtually always, oh, God, I didn't know I sounded like that, or should I sound terrible, or should I look fat, or I look, you know. That's the first. We all do that. But once you get over that, you can start to notice things that you would never have known about what you say and what you do. I can remember um, sticking a camera. It was at the New Zealand under-20s, because I worked with our national under-20 team for a number of years in rugby. And um, I set a camera up in a room and a coach was doing a 30 minute one-on-one with a computer in front of him. Uh, and I set the camera up the corner, set it running and I just walked out of the room and I left it. And then I got the um, SD card. I gave it to the coach. He put it in the computer and he came to me that night and he said, Hadis, I'm embarrassed. I said, what do you mean, mate? He said, during that session, he said that player spoke for about two minutes. I spoke for the other 28 minutes. He said, mate, I, I knew I had a big mouth, but he said, I just never realized. He said, mate, I never asked him. I never asked him. What, what was going on through your mind? What were you seeing? You know, what were you noticing about that situation? If you had, a, if you had a, an, an opportunity again, what would you have done differently? You know, I had great opportunities to find out what was going on. I never did it. He said, it's been an eye opener for me. Now, all I did was give him the video. I never gave him any feedback. I would have told him that, but I didn't need to. He saw it himself, you know? So I, I recommend it for anybody in any endeavor to get yourself filmed, you know? I love it. I've, I, I've heard some, you know, different tactics of team culture and leadership exercises and self-evaluation tests, but I am going to put some video on my coaches and, and sit down and watch it with them. And I, I think the result is going, I'll tell you what, it's definitely going to spark up an interesting conversation. And exactly right, Lou. I mean, I know of coaching groups who take it in turns to wear the mic and, and, and get video, and then they, they have peer reviews. And the guy watches his own video, has some reflections, and then everybody else watches it, and they come in and give them some feedback. And they do that on a regular basis. It's brilliant. And the only thing you need to get over is to have a culture of trust where people are able to be vulnerable. And shit, we're just helping each other, man. We're just helping each other. So, right. yeah, it's, it's, it sounds so easy, doesn't it? And the, and the only thing, you know, fear, one of the acronyms of fear is false expectations appearing real. And as, and as George said, the mm-hmm. only thing you've got to fear is that people might think you look stupid or say, well, you know, like, 
Come on, we were all learning here. We film players, why wouldn't we film coaches? No, or, I, or are we hypocritical? Could not it's agree more. It's hypocritical. If, if, if a coach says to me, you know, now we're filming our players, giving them feedback, they're looking at their video, and I say, mate, I want to film you. He says, no, I don't want you to. What's it saying about him? Is it, is it saying, well, it might be saying, I don't trust you, um, but it's saying that he's scared to do something that he's asked his players to do on a daily basis. And that doesn't sound like great role modeling to me. You know, and I know with the rugby boys, Lou, when, when the boys have got their, their mic on, and I, it happened at the Jays as well, George might remember, to be a coach out there with the players, and he's got a mic on. And the players mm-hmm. come over, and they look at the mic, this little mic sits up here, and the players come up, George, you've experienced it, and what do the yep. boys say? What are you doing? Dolly, what are you doing? Hey, this is, no one else is going to hear this, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah. And then you've got the opportunity to say, I'm mic'd up because I've got to continue to get better at my craft exactly the same as you do as a player. Now, what a great thing to role model was that, you know? Dave, you talk about being a role model and George and I using this platform feel like we're giving our audience an opportunity to learn more than anything else, right? We're opening up sure. new ideas for them. Yeah. Um, with being a role model, I, I, I think of role model as a synonym for leadership. What makes a good leader? We talked about what makes a good coach, but I think there's a difference between a good leader and a good coach. Um, I, yeah, I mean, the essence of leadership is, you know, most definitions of leadership, if you look at them, it's around the process of influencing people towards a shared goal. You know, that, that's a pretty normal sort of a generic little, little um, definition of leadership. And I think, I think um, the critical word is influence, our ability to influence people. So I think influence is at the heart of leadership. And I think good leaders, um, Lou, are able to lead both heads, hearts, and hands. You know, and the heart's about inspiring people. As a leader, you've got to make people feel. What's it going to be like when we win this championship? When we beat that team we haven't beaten for years, how are we going to feel? You've got to, get, you've got to reach people's hearts. Then you've got to reach their heads. What's our game plan? What's our tactics? How are we going to do it? You know, there's a, there's a great book called The Power of One. And, and, and the, the hero is a little guy. And he says, little beats big if little is smart. First with the head and then with the heart. All right. So we've got a, a, a great leader can lead hearts, can inspire, can get people motivated. A great leader also ensures that we've got a great game plan, that we know exactly what our role is and we're committed to our role. And then hands, which is around behaviours. The focus is on what sort of behaviours are going to take us towards our goals and are going to be aligned with our values. And I think if leaders engender that amongst the people they lead, um, then I think we're in a good space. And, and we're not talking too much about, about the Jays, but the, they've got a, a big leader who, who, uh, kept, who is all of those things. Um, Dave, last thing I'm going to ask you. Um, what are some things, some advice that you can give to young coaches or even young players? Um, what are like the key points that you think that every coach or player should emphasize in their game going forward? 
that every coach or every player? Yeah. Yeah. What's something that like, what's something that you would leave us with tonight that you really want us to remember that can really help our, help our audience. Cause most of our audience well, is young players and, and, and young well, coaches. I was going to say, don't come from New York, but I can't say that. Now you can say that, except Lou and I both come from New York, so that's I know, a I know that. That's, that's, yeah. <laughs> Look, I think, I reckon, I reckon that for all of us, and when you're just a young player, keep it simple. But I think if you focus in, whether you're a coach or a player, on and ask yourself, what are the knowledge, skills, and attributes I need to be a champion, to be the best I can be? What are the knowledge and skills and attributes, personal attributes I need to be the best I can be? And then ask yourself, what are the two most important things for me to work on right now that are going to help me get better? And then figure out a plan and work on those and get better at those and then reflect again in six months' time and say, right, oh, I've worked hard on those. Now, with a reevaluation, what are the two things I most need to work on now? Now, there's a whole lot of other stuff you're going to be working on in the background, but I think to understand what's going to give you most bang for your buck and your development uh, and to do that, to reevaluate on, on, a, on a regular basis is as helpful a thing as you can do. So last thing I'll say to you is I've learned from you of how to deal with, I categorize players, and there's always subcategories, but I categorize players into three different groups. Um, like not necessarily a novice, but somebody that really has no idea. Somebody that you're way, like someone that you can kind of help lead along and then someone you're just going to listen to. So like a really high talented player, I'm going to, like you said earlier, I'm going to listen. A guy who I feel like I have a lot of influence in that trusts me that I'm going to, that I can don't necessarily want to give him the answers, but I feel like he needs some push. I call that leaving the breadcrumbs, you know? And then the other kid, the kid that literally has no freaking clue, you got to figure out a way how to just, how to just give him that information. That's, yeah. that, those are the three things that I've kind yep. of learned from you. And no, I no, feel look, like I, that's yeah. helped me a lot. Well, that's great, George, because, look, I think you've explained that really simply. And, you know, I, I, I could have mentioned that earlier, but I think what George, you know, what, what you're saying, mate, is spot on because, you know, a, a young player is going to need more teaching. He's going to need more advice, more guidance. You know, it's not that you're, going to, you're not going to ask him questions to figure out what's going on for him. You are. But he doesn't know stuff. He needs to understand the game. He has to have a lot more teaching. When you're dealing with a high-level player, you did right. You're going to be questioning and listening a lot more. Uh, and maybe popping up with the odd offering a suggestion, maybe, but you did right there, and that makes a whole lot of sense to me. So that's that's cool, mate. Please, you've been listening. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, hey Dave, I loved I loved where this conversation went tonight. I think there was a ton of good information. I know I learned a lot. I'm stealing the idea of videotaping coaches tomorrow. I'm going to try that exercise and. Um, and I will circle back with you and let you know how that went. You do that. Skills and mental skills and dealing with failure. Um, a lot of really, really good insight here. And we didn't even talk about baseball or skill set or how to field a ground ball or throw a curveball. But what we just talked about today, if we can get through to our audience, this is how winning cultures are created and how championship players are, are made. So, um, Dave, we really appreciate your insight and expertise, and uh, we hope to have you back on here real soon. I look forward to it. Thanks, uh, Lou and George. Good to see your handsome New York face again, mate. Yeah, no, I put a beard on, and I lost some weight during COVID. But, hey, Tyrus, last thing. 
where can everybody find you? How can people get, reach in get in touch with you to ask you any advice or the, the book? You know, talk about all that stuff, where, where we can get all that information, please. Um, well, I mean, my, you've got my email, George. So just yes, make sir. that available. Just make that available to people if they want to reach out. Okay. Um, I think it, it's you can reach me at mindplus.co.nz. Mindplus.co.nz. Okay, we'll make sure we put that up on the on on our social media platforms. So uh, once cool. again, Dave, I want to just say the last thing that you you've had a huge influence on my career. Someone who I had no idea. If someone told me five years ago, hey, this this random thread and bugger from New Zealand <laughs> who hangs out with uh, the Hobbits and the Lord of the Rings is going to call you and is going to hey help you out and change your career, would you believe it? I'd say hell no. What the hell are you talking about? You know what I mean? So <laughs> I just want to say thank you for uh, everything that you've done for me. And, and you know we keep in touch, but um, yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. you uh, I appreciate what you say, George, and it's made it's been fun and and. Uh, you know, the, like I said before, uh, I, I'm not going to um, pee in your pockets, mate, but you are a learner. And that's the one thing, the last thing I'd say to all players and to all coaches, be a voracious learner. And if you're a voracious learner, you're going to get better. So thanks, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, Dave. Cheers, boys. Come money and stuff. Um, the guy that runs High Performance Coach Development, who's my close friend that I've worked with for 10 years, he organized a Zoom call. And so it's, it was a sort of a who's who of rugby coaches in New Zealand. They all got online and they took the piss out of me. They took the piss out of me, as you'd expect. But they said some really kind things. And the first thing I said, boys, I apologize for not dying because it was like a funeral without a body. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me reflect, you know, that, that, you know, when somebody dies, everyone stands up and says what a great bloke they were or whatever. But, gee, I'll tell you what, it's a lovely thing to actually, you know, if you're retired, if people actually stand up, and, and, and just, well, it was on Zoom this time, but actually just do it while you're alive. So remember that, boys. Do it while you're alive. We'll keep that in mind, Hatters. <laughs> well, well, hey, boys. We appreciate you, Hatters. Appreciate you. Right, guys. Take care. GC, man, that guy had some good insight. What do you think? Yeah, Hatters is the best, man. Uh, I remember when he first came to camp uh, and everyone was kind of questioning, like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Let's like we talked about earlier. And uh, the changes that he made for us were, were phenomenal. He's like the uh, the mad scientist, you know. Guy's got a wealth of knowledge. Guy's definitely been around the block. And if you're willing to listen and learn, that guy can help you 100%. So we appreciate him being on tonight. Yeah, so until uh, next time, Lou, uh, appreciate you. We'll put all his information up on the, on Instagram and everything else. So um, great guy. Um, hopefully we can get him back on, get him, get him back on soon. We'll get him back on. GC, until next time, brother. Later, Lou. Thanks for listening and make sure to subscribe and leave a rating for our podcast and check back for the next episode of Coaching Confidential.